WSL football. I feel like we've been saying that every single week, but every single week there's a new headline, so we'll roll with it. Um, I'm your host, Alex Ibaceta, and I'm with the usual, Abdullah Abdullah and Jesse, what was it? Jesse Humper Humphreys. Humphreys. Yeah. You're going to have to explain Um, that, Alex. (laughs) So, yeah, so basically, um, Jesse came to my football match yesterday, and they read up the team sheet beforehand, and apparently they they were okay with my last name. Um, but not with my girlfriend Alice's last name, which is just very French. Um, and we were just talking about how they mess up our last names and what's kind of the worst pronunciation. And Jesse came up with, um, you, you say it better than I do, so go ahead. Yeah, I, I once was called by someone who, I don't know if they just read my name too quickly, but they called me Jesse Harker Pumphreys. They reversed <laughs> the two letters of my two surnames. <laughs> So there we go. If it was easier to pronounce, I would probably say it more. But I think because I'm so used to your last name correctly. Harker Harker Pumphrey. Harker Pumphrey. Harker yeah. Pumphrey. I'm gonna that's it. I should I should just change that on my phone now. <laughs> Jesse Harker Pumphrey. I should never have revealed this. Sorry. I, I didn't even know no. this. I find this out live on air. So I mean, this is, I don't know. All right. So we'll go we'll go straight into it. Um. We're going to do yeah a bit of a shorter episode this week because I'm about to fly off to Chile um, and the other two are just busy, busy, busy as usual. Um, but yes, I am pretty much as soon as we finish this, I'm getting in the car and leaving to the airport. Um, but we're so we're basically just going to do a big focus on Friday night's Chelsea versus Arsenal match. Uh, but let's quickly run through some of the headlines of this weekend's WSL. This is probably the worst weekend that we could have done to like do a shorter episode. Yeah. And I feel really bad. Because I was, yeah, like after the match on Sunday, um, I looked at all the results of the day and I was like, what the fuck happened today? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Caroline Weir scored another chip to give Manchester City a 1-0 win over United in the Derby to cut United's lead on City to two points. Um, and I don't know if anyone has seen that BBC montage of the exact same flick, uh, literally one year apart. Um, but if you haven't, go see it because it's literally mesmerizing for some reason. Um, and Everton's WSL misery continued as they lost 2-0 to Aston Villa. Um, Villa looking like they got a bit of um, boost in the recent weeks. Um, and Brighton ended Reading's eight-game unbeaten run, thrashing them 4-1. I definitely would not have predicted that. I think that was my big, no, actually, no, the next one is probably the biggest shock. Um, and Leicester City shocked West Ham 3-0 to basically guarantee their safety and doom Birmingham to relegation. Uh, that's Jesse's script, by the way. You can tell <laughs> I've written this because Alex is saying it in like a posher English voice, I think. <laughs> I have to live up to the, the Jesse script. It's not a stupid <laughs> And lastly, Tottenham had a routine 2 0 win over Birmingham to put them into third place and in a Champions League spot. Ryan Skinner in the Champions League. It's going to happen, isn't it? it's it's <laughs> um jesse uh what did you make of the whole weekend 
Uh, yeah, I thought it was um, a lot of fun. I thought it was funny that all the games that no one was really focusing on had loads of goals and the games that everyone cared about had one goal across 180 minutes of football. But um, Chelsea Arsenal was obviously great, even though it was 0-0. City United, I actually... Well, I only watched the first 60 minutes because then I had to go and watch Alex play. Um, but I didn't think it was the most exciting game in the world. Um, whereas Alex's game was very exciting for anyone wondering. Um, Dulwich Hamlet did beat Aylesford 3-2, but really I think Aylesford deserved the point um, ultimately. Alex was amazing, a great nutmeg, um, quite aggy on the pitch, uh, but that's what that's what brought the drama. So, you know, as much as I enjoyed all the WSL games this weekend, my highlight was, what's your league called? Like the Greater London Sussex Kent I think it's league. like Greater London South East Regional. Tier five, basically. Just yeah, call it that's that. where the fun was this weekend. <laughs> I get, We gave you five goals and like... The game was genuinely great. I had a, I had an amazing yeah. time. I recommend anyone going to watch Tier 5 football. Great fun. <laughs> that one. Uh, Abdullah, what did you think of the weekend as a whole? I, I need to dig in Scout for the tier, for the fifth tier. And I need to, I need to taxively analyze your game, Alex. And we need to do a full episode on this. You know what? I, I need just, to do an, it would, I, honestly, I, we could probably fill two hours of just like how fucked up the tactics are in tier five football. I, I need at least send me the footage. I will do a full breakdown on your game and I'll give it to you and we'll do it for the pod. But other than that, best game of the, 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 the weekend that I couldn't watch, unfortunately, I'm a few thousand miles away. Um, the rest of the, the rest of the games were, were fantastic. I think for me, kind of the two biggest shocks on both ends of the scales are Leicester beating West Ham 3-0 I think that was a great result for them and I think we've been saying this for a few weeks and that they've been playing well but just not getting the results and now they're getting the results and then Everton are just I don't even know are they going to get relegated now and not Birmingham because that would just at this point I wouldn't even rule that out they're just so they're just spiraling downwards so much they made a mistake it's just they, they can't fix it now you heard it here first, folks. Everton going down to the championship at the end of the season. Don't have Manifesting me. Tottenham in the Champions League, Everton relegated. Um, wow. That's definitely going to be a fun end to the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's get into the big one. Chelsea versus Arsenal. Uh, the supposed title decider ended nil-nil at Kings Meadow, but it was far from a boring match, I think. Um, let's start with formations, because that was definitely... There were definitely a couple of surprises for each team. Uh, but Abdullah, let's start with you first. What do you think when you saw Emma Hayes had reverted to using all three of Harder, Kerr, and Kirby? I was kind of confused first, and I was a little bit shocked because I thought of, of all games and just kind of like against Arsenal, I thought Jesse Fleming would have started over Kirby just because of how effective Fleming was for the first, you know, 60 minutes of, of the City game until, you know, City started to um, come back into the game. And then obviously they switched systems. And I thought if Kirby, I mean, the whole point, I think Kirby not starting the last game was she wasn't fit. Uh, but I think at the same time, I think we saw Harder and Kerr kind of play a little bit more free. Um, Fleming was able to kind of do the both the off the ball and then the progressive uh, progressive side of the game. Of the game the transition was a lot smoother going from out to in and into out. So for me, I just thought that Fleming did, didn't deserve to be dropped for whatever reason. And I thought tactically she brought something different. And when Kirby started with the front three, you're like either Chelsea are going to go all out possession base and they're going to try and really capitalize on the fact that they got the front three. Um, but then you also, th- but then you also think what they've been playing a counterattacking style a little bit for the last couple of weeks. 
So then what is it? And then obviously when the game started, we were kind of like mixed in between. Yeah, I think that's fair. Definitely a big topic of conversation about Jesse Fleming and, and Frank Kirby. But Jesse, Idaval gave Arsenal fans what they wanted and played Miedema and Black Seniors together with Miedema, the tactical genius in the midfield. Uh, before the game started, how are you thinking? Also, Jesse was probably a pint and a half in when this formation came out. Um, how are you thinking this formation was, was going to play out against Chelsea? Yes, I was in the pub with Alex. Alex was refreshing Twitter for the team news like 15 minutes early as if for some reason they were suddenly going to put the team news out earlier because it was a more exciting game or something. Um, But yeah, I thought the decision to go with Miedemar and Blackstonius was a bold one, definitely, because, you know, I think they obviously had a great moment in the United game, but it still felt like a risky decision to kind of really switch around what you wanted to do, um, you know, given that they'd have only had like a week to work on it. I think um, it did worry me a little bit just because I think Chelsea have got very good over the past couple of seasons of figuring out how to mark Miedema out of these games. And, you know, I think we saw in the FA Cup final, especially where Emma Hayes was basically like, Jess Carter just followed Miedema wherever she goes on the pitch. But now we've got back to this back four. We obviously weren't really going to be able to, to do that in the same way. Um, I thought it was interesting. Like initially when it came out, I was like, are they going to actually like play as a two? And obviously they didn't. Um, so I guess that was the one thing that I was kind of intrigued to see. But yeah, Miedema obviously sat kind of really far back. Like she almost wasn't even like a 10. <laughs> like it was almost even further back than that. So um, yeah, it was an interesting one. And I think in hindsight, it, it was the right decision. But definitely at the time, I was like, do I have time to have another beer before I go to the game? No, <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, um, you know, it's a risky, risky one. Yeah, it was, I said it, yeah, the, the week of, I think it's putting medium vaccines is like, it could be really good, but I didn't think it would be a, necessarily a smart decision to change things up at like in such a game especially against Chelsea who are you know quite decent at playing against Arsenal in the sense that they know what players like to do and how to mark them out of the game um so I was I mean it could have gone terribly wrong also um so I'm really glad it didn't but Abdullah what were Arsenal doing that was making it so hard for Chelsea to progress up the pitch I think one thing they did was they, I mean, I think they had. I think the first thing is they had control of the ball. They had control of the game. They had control of midfield, and I think that's what Arsenal did really well for the majority of that first half. I think I think Chelsea struggled to get a foothold in the game, and I felt like the double pivot of Ingle and Casper just kind of. And I use the word lost because I don't have any other words, but it really felt like they were just kind of stranded in the middle of there. Whereas Little Miedema and Leo um, uh, Volti, I think all three of them were just so efficient at, at rotating and recycling the ball in midfield that they were able to get it out to you know get it out to the white players uh, a lot easier and quicker and whenever it did rotate back into their back four um i think it was just a lot easier for them to play it back out into walty and you know then into kim or into kim little and i think their rotations those two in particular i think helped and i think the i think the effect of leah williamson in the team i think showed in that first half just because of the way they controlled the game because i think when you have someone like leah in there uh, who really knows how to play out from the back, has the vision and has the, the ability to, to to kind of adapt passes. You know, she sees the runs and she sees the passes before the players are going to make them. So she's able to play more difficult passes out before Chelsea can press them. And I think that's what helped them in the beginning, along with the, the three midfielders I talked about. And then Miedema playing in a, ten, uh, you know, in, in a midfield role, I think is really interesting because, um, 
she's I mean she's so creative and she likes dropping deep and taking the ball but she's also very 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 good if not as you know if not better than the other two in, in tight spaces as well so she can collect almost slightly higher up the pitch and you're more than likely for her to be able to get the ball out of her feet with one touch and a pass a lot quicker so when you have someone who can do that from both a deeper position in a Kim Little or a Leah Walty you have someone who can do that in some of the, the middle third you're then asking for trouble because one that you know you have to be on point with your press otherwise the the, the ball is going to go so I think I think just their control in that area in the middle was just unbelievable, I think, at least for the first half. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, especially on the Leah Williamson thing, you, you could tell the impact that she made on the team in terms of confidence and kind of security more than anything. But I also think she was a bit rusty. I think you could tell that she hasn't really played yeah. consistent matches. Um, and there was one point where Chelsea were attacking. Like, there was a lot of... Like, it wasn't just a counterattack. Like, it was a pretty strong Chelsea attack. Um and Leah Williamson got the ball back, like literally just by the touchline, like I think still in the penalty box. And instead of just clearing it out, she decides to cut it behind her and take a touch and then clear it. And I was just like, are you, are you serious? Like you've had not the greatest match. Like it was like a start. It's like, you haven't had the greatest start and you still have the confidence to pull that shit out. And um, I was shitting my pants more than she was clearly. Um, so that was interesting. But Jesse, Arsenal didn't manage to score in this period um, or in the entire match. Uh, was this just luck or were Chelsea doing something here to limit their chances? Uh, I think it was maybe a little bit of both. Um, I think, you know, Chelsea were clearly very set defensively. And part of the reason I feel like they were losing the ball so much in midfield and Arsenal were able to take so much control was because they weren't really willing to have either of their fullbacks move up the pitch and kind of help there. They really felt like they wanted to hold that back four line um, really strong. And I think, you know, when you're playing at the very least, Jess Carter, Brighton now, and I'll move Anderson slightly out of that group because I don't think she's like a natural defender in any of the way of those are. But, you know, I feel like they're three players who are very much like, okay, we're going to stand here and we're going to defend the box. So I felt like that even though Arsenal were like having a lot of the ball, like the opportunities they were, creating weren't like absolutely amazing um there were mainly I thought the two really good opportunities in the first half were both Miedemar shots and you know I feel like that that's just like the nature of playing Arsenal like Miedemar is always going to get a couple of shots off um I guess the other one which actually I like I, I re-watched um Sky's just highlights package list before and I was really surprised they didn't include um Black Stenius's header because I thought that was Arsenal's best best chance of the, the first half. And I think she should have done better there. Um, that was like the real one that stood out to me. Like it, that felt like the only moment where she was really able to get a lot of space and time to, to be able to do something with the ball. Whereas I felt like um, for the rest of the first half, Chelsea were generally pretty good at, um, you know, crowding players out. Again, the only example I can really think of that was like, was when Caitlin Ford like nutmeg Jess Carter but then Caitlin Ford was so obsessed with like throwing herself to the ground she kind of got rid of her own opportunity there so that's fine I guess we'll take it I suppose um I haven't watched the back so I haven't really seen it Jesse do you want to describe to the listeners what it was to to hear Viv's shot rattle the the, the post yeah my soul left my body um yeah Viv's two shots the first one hit the post and it was like the loudest post rattle noise I'd ever heard it was like you know when you hit like something hits the post you're like okay that hit the post but this was like 
it was like the whole goal was shaking. Um, and then her other shot then hit me. So, you know, I, I, it was a stressful time. I don't normally <laughs> stand behind the goals because it's not a very good view. Um, now you learned your lesson. I really learned my lesson here. And I don't like standing behind the goals because this is exactly the kind of stuff that happens when you're like, Ow, not everyone could say they've hit. been hit by a Vivian Miedema shot. No, but I will just say it reminds me of uh, my actual favourite time I ever saw this happen was Chelsea were playing City, like this must be like three or four seasons ago, and Nikita Paris was warming up for City and I was sitting in the North Stand and Nikita Paris uh, smacked a shot into the face of like a three-year-old boy who was sat behind the goal in the warm-up and he cried for the whole game and it was so funny and she was mortified. So there we go. That's the risk of sitting behind the goal. (laughs) That's what happens when you can't get your shots on target. <clears throat> um, Abdullah <laughs> towards the, the end of the first half Chelsea did begin uh, to get a little bit more into the game what changed in your opinion you know um, I think the I think I think the one thing is uh, I think the players took it into I think the players took it into their own hands I think they realized that they were they weren't they didn't have enough control in midfield and they didn't have enough control of the game overall and that because of what Jesse was saying, the fullbacks wanted to kind of sit deep and hold their line to not allow those runs from Ford, Black Stenius, and Miedema, um and Beth Mead. I think it, it just it. I think they needed to match them one to one. Otherwise, they were going to get overrun. At least the centre backs would, um, and protecting them was was key. I think what helped was Kirby kind of coming in century, kind of what Fleming was doing last week. I think she decided if I come in more century and kind of create the extra player in midfield, it forces Walty and, and Little to and Miedema to kind of have to drop deep and kind of cover because then suddenly it's a 3v2 or a 3v3 uh, in certain situations so that, you know, the, the, then Arsenal had to adapt, right? And then because Kirby came in centrally and was able to have more of an influence, suddenly the, sh- the shape up front started to change. Black Stenius becomes a little more isolated with F- Ford, um, and Beth Mead, and suddenly then one of the fullbacks at John Anderson, for example, can push up a little bit because then suddenly it's 3v3 instead of a 4v4, uh, which is a little bit more manageable. So I think the player's initiative of, of, of changing, especially with Kirby coming inside, uh, even Kerr for a minute playing almost as like a right winger at times and coming outside. And I think those rotations and positions kind of started, you know, messing with Arsenal because suddenly they had to, they had to really have to adapt and see who's moving where and what. And that's always been kind of Chelsea's trademark of, those positional rotations between the front three, anyway, hard as playing a free role. But then when you put the other two into the mix that they have done in the past, suddenly defenders don't know who to pick up. Midfielders are confused. But in the, in the first 40 minutes, it was like, all right, here's a set pattern of 4-4-2. You kind of have to just worry about harder popping up into different places, but you kind of roughly knew where everybody else was going to be. So I think that was probably where the shift started to happen. And then going into the second half, it did feel like Chelsea had a lot more got a lot more into their flow and had the bulk of the better opportunities. Jesse, do you think Chelsea should be regretting not making most of some of these opportunities? <laughs> yeah, I think um, compared to maybe some of the Arsenal ones in the first half, which I felt like, you know, those Miedemar shots were like Miedemar being good rather than like great opportunities being made by Arsenal as a team. I felt like Chelsea did well to create a lot of openings um, and to kind of start pulling Arsenal's defence apart, start finding that space. But then no one was really able to do anything with them. You know, Sam Kerr had her air kick, which honestly, the more I watch it, the worse the worse it looks. And even then it falls at Kirby's feet. But like, I think she's just so expecting Kerr to hit it that she like misses her opportunity and Rafael is able to get back to the block. 
Um, you know, I think Guru Wrighton kind of had a similar chance where it fell at her feet and she just shoots straight at Zinsberger. Um, Sam Kerr's a header right at the end, where again, I think it comes off, it comes off an Arsenal player's head and it just takes all the power out of it. But I definitely felt like what at the time I was just like so caught up in like the kind of hysteria of the game. It didn't really feel like those opportunities were that big, but kind of watching them back, I was I was quite struck by by how much space and time lots of Chelsea players had when they got into the box, but they felt very rushed in their decision-making. And I also think they were, you know, there were some unlucky moments, like there were points where the ball could, I think, you know, like that Leah Williamson moment as well, like where it could easily have just fallen kind of to a Chelsea player and it didn't really like happen. Um, And yeah, so I think a Chelsea who are on the top of their scoring and striking game um, would have scored some of these, uh, I think they were like plenty good enough. Um, and I do, I think Flo Lloyd Hughes texted me and said that Sam Kerr had been cursed at the Asian Cup. Um, but it does kind of feel like that. She missed so many good opportunities in that game against Korea. And, you know, now she's come back to Chelsea and there's been like some good opportunities here too for her. And, you know, I think she's just in one of her her fallow periods, unfortunately. Because Christy Mewis left, that's why. Um, I'll do that. Why do you think Arsenal were able to impose themselves on the game as they had in the first half? I think when I think it's kind of similar to what we talked about in the um, but for but the first half and those movements and those and those rotations. I think one of the one of the problems with Arsenal were is obviously the longer the game goes, the more they tire, um, and I think it, it takes it and and especially when you they they started to lose control, they had to do a lot more running. And obviously, we saw that with the injury to Rafaela. She had to go off injured as well. Obviously, Leah Williamson isn't, I mean, she's not 100% fit. She had to, she just had to play that. Um, she had to play, she had to play the game. Um, and I think that started to take a toll because I think in the beginning, the first half, I think that partnership at center back was so important because they were so good at keeping the ball and distributing it out properly that that's what gave them the initial control anyway. But I think as Chelsea started to rotate, as Chelsea started to move, they were getting a lot, become put, getting put under a lot more pressure. So I think that didn't help. Um, injuries didn't help. And overall, I think just Emma Hayes' changes in Chelsea's sort of like more movement, more rotations kind of caused Arsenal to, to suddenly go, okay, we need to figure out how to how to keep them in check. And then, you know, when 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 you're then when Chelsea are blocking up supply into a Miedema, into a Blacksenius, into the front four, then suddenly everybody gets frustrated and it's it's role reversal. And I don't think Arsenal have the same sort of I want to call I don't want to call it defensive discipline but I want to call it maybe tactical discipline to be able to play in a very defensive mode kind of like Chelsea did in the first half and against City last week where they're able to play 4-4-2 backs against the wall we're just going to defend for our lives kind of type deal right I don't think Arsenal have done that very much recently or, or, or generally so and I don't know if their players are equipped to do that as compared to Chelsea so Chelsea you can play Carter now a bright possibly Anderson, because if you have to put it there, but those four can sit back all day, take up pressure and then just play out. And I think having a sustained uh, period of time where also could do that, I don't think they could do that. So when Chelsea were on top, it was just very difficult to get, to get them back in because it was just, all right, plan A, plan A, plan A, and how do we get out of this? So I, I think that's when the game started to become a little more tight than, than usual. Yeah. When you say like bodies on the line, I think that's literally Chelsea and bodies that, wholeheartedly <laughs> um, it's it's actually insane how many bodies they get in front of the ball whenever it's in and around the box um, and yeah. it's 
quite impressive. <laughs> um, daunting, but impressive, I suppose. But I feel like the last 10 minutes of the match need their own section. So firstly, Jesse, eight minutes of added time. What the hell went on there? Yeah, when the thing came up, I was like, what the fuck? Um, I have no idea where all the that came from. When they put it up, like literally, I was like, where the fuck did all that time come from? I've honestly like never seen anything like it. It really made me laugh. Um, but at, because Arsenal, I think, had had like the bulk of the good opportunities in the five minutes before, I was like, oh my God, no. But actually what happened is like Chelsea really like randomly got back into the game. They, it was like they decided like, from minute 75 to 90 that they were just going to like defend and like take the draw and then it was like when they put up eight minutes at a time Chelsea were like no wait we've decided now we want to win this game and I was like why this is not the way round you should have picked to do this um but obviously you know they did hold on to the draw and they probably should have won in those last minutes there last minutes at a time but yeah never seen anything like it could not believe it at all I was very confused I was mostly mad because I had to sit in the cold for that much longer um, Abdullah, what did you make of that goal mouth scramble? I honestly have no idea how that stayed out. It happened right in front of my eyes. I was stood up ready to scream goal and obviously that did not happen. So that was lovely. Um, but what do you think? I don't even, I actually don't even know. It was just bodies everywhere, people jumping around. I think everyone was just hoping for the best by putting heads, arms, legs, hands, feet, whatever they could find. Just don't let the ball go in. And I think the game was destined to be nil-nil the minute that that gold mouse scramble didn't go in. I think just the fact that it was so tactically fascinating for like 90 minutes that, you know what, just the last, well, obviously the second last big moment of the game that that gold mouth happened I just, honestly it's just it's just one of those where you're like well if 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 this isn't going in there are no goals going in it doesn't matter like, the, the, someone doesn't want this game to have any goals so that's pretty much all I can put it down to I think that's something I really appreciate about both these teams is that they will play like yeah this like very controlled tactical interesting game for all this time but like neither of them are beneath like absolutely just like going mental and like throwing everything (laughs) out the window and be like let's just like try and do anything and I think that's why I always find Arsenal Chelsea games so fun because there's just always that like little bit of like weirdness that you're like this doesn't make any sense as part of like the narrative of either of these two sides like that was definitely not supposed to happen. Yeah, like if I can if I can put a quick reference here, if anybody's played football manager, this is like eight minutes of stoppage time, ultra attacking, put like five forwards up front and then just hope for the best, no defenders and just go from there. So it, it really reminded me of that. I wish I wish there it was like ice hockey where if you're losing at the like in the last minutes, you take out your goalie for an extra player. Can you imagine if we were able to do that? That would be so good. That would be hilarious. Put an 11th outfield player and just like leave. I guess you can still do that with the goalie. But anyway, can can you imagine like you have, like for Arsenal, they could have taken out Zinsberger and put on like Tobin Heath. And then just have like those anyway. That would that be have fun. been really bad if they'd actually given the penalty though, then. Then Tobin Heath would have had to go and goal. <laughs> yeah. That would have been bad, yeah. Um, but speaking of that, I suppose, um, I guess we kind of have to talk about that handball. Um, yeah. Obviously, Jesse, you can talk about the Leah Williamson one. I'll just mention the Jess Carter one. Just, it just hits so it's, Jess Carter it's first, balanced. and if it comes off you, it's, it's you not know a what? penalty. It, doesn't, it hit rules. her hand. Black seniors could have gotten the ball. There's an argument to be made. If it comes <laughs> off you, the literal rule is it doesn't count anymore. 
Well, it came off Leo, so it doesn't count. It does. <laughs> okay. The Leo Williams one is a penalty. The Jess Carter one isn't a penalty. I would say if I thought the Jess Carter one was, but it's not. It's just not. And the Leo Williams one is... It's bad. Ladies that and gentlemen, this the is the handball obvious. discussion that we're having here. The only <laughs> content you're going to find on Box to Box. Alex and I have already had this conversation as well. That's the thing. We've uh, already had this conversation yeah, over WhatsApp <laughs> and in person, and now we're having it again. True story. Uh, it's, right. I mean, it has to be spoken of. I mean, yeah, there's, I'm, I don't think anyone can argue that the Leah Williams in handball was not a handball because it's just. Even she thought it was a handball. Like it's it's probably like, the oh, most, like, like if you have to show someone what a handball is, you show that <laughs> that snippet yeah. is yeah. pretty much what it is. Um, but I just, I, I just, I think the best part of all of that was her, her reaction. Obviously, was like she put her head down. She's like, like I screwed this up right now. Um, but then when she realizes that the ref isn't calling it, she kind of just like puts her hand up in like confusion. But like in a confusion, that's like what, what you I guys thought hands? that was a handball. <laughs> exactly. She, she was like, she was like, you guys thought that was a handball. Like, are you like? obviously not um so i just thought the, the quick turnaround between her reactions is really entertaining oh, um my. but i think a draw was probably a fair result for both sides given the balance of opportunities um but what do you guys think each team will have learned from this game jesse um i think from an arsenal perspective they will probably have learned that they need to figure out, I think, a bit more when they have that ball in midfield. And especially, you know, I think it was hard. Like, this is like a massive game. Blackstenius is playing up front, like, basically on her own. I don't know. It was like, was this her first start? Or she started another game? No, I think she's started. No, I think it's her first start because she came on as a sub against United. That was her first uh, game, Yeah, think. and then she came on and Viv dropped back. So potentially it yeah, might have been her this start, is the first yeah. start. I think it's her first start, yeah. So I but feel it, like it's only Arsenal, like her it's, third match also. Yeah, it's like, something that will, like, probably come. But, like, it just felt like for all that pressure they, like, managed to have and all the ball they managed to have in midfield, like, they weren't really able to actually, like, carve Chelsea open. Like, they, they it didn't feel like Blackstone is, like was so switched on, like, to necessarily be able to make the runs to, like, benefit from, like, Ford and Mead and, and even Miedemar. I think from a Chelsea perspective, um, I think what I'd like them to learn is that maybe the Kerr-Kirby harder thing, at least in this 4-4-2, doesn't really work. Um, I know, like, as the game went on, they kind of got into it, but I just felt like Kirby on the right wing really like it it's just I don't think the best way to to use her in a game that like did end up being quite physical it felt and you know I think that's kind of what I'd like Chelsea to take from it I don't know if they will I just think if you're going to play them as a three you have to play them as a three not in a four four two call Emma Hayes up and be like <clears throat> this is what I think um, this is what you need I to have learned Emma. <laughs> pretty much Abdullah what do you think yeah, no, I, I think I think I'll just start with Chelsea very quickly. I think I think that's a similar point. I think if you're gonna play the four four two, you need to play the four four two counterattacking system to its kind of full potential, and that means you need to play players that fit that system. And you're not getting the best out of, if any, frankly, all three players are, are suffering because of it, and to some extent, right? Because fine, maybe Kerr and Kerr, Kerr and Harder can 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 play up front together and they can rotate and they can do things, but then Kirby suffers on the right hand side because her starting position is too deep. And you can't do much from them because it requires because a four four two in that sort of scenario requires a lot more 
uh, tactical flexibility and adaptation. Not that she can't do it, but obviously she'd prefer to be someone who's up front, who's more forward, hanging around, um, you know, on on the right wing and and kind of playing and you know influencing that part of the pitch. So, you know, if you're going to play, you you might play, uh, you know, a, a Jesse Fleming or somebody else on the right hand side and the left hand side. You because it's such a it's a specific tactic for specific games you know especially for a team like Chelsea you're not going to play a 4-4-2 like this in its in this iteration for a game like Arsenal you take it back to last season the season before when they played the 4-4-2 they were very much playing like a 4-4-2 diamond which meant that yes a lot of the players were more central Kirby had more of an influence from like a number 10 position or even as a you know right-sided striker you can do a lot of things with that but in a flat 4-4-2, it becomes very, very difficult for them to be able to do anything. So I think that's one thing I would I would agree with Jesse and, and like them to take away from it, that if you are going to play a tactic like this game to game, you're going to change it. You've got to play the personnel that, that fits, fits the system and fits the tactic for that game. And from an Arsenal perspective, I think... I think they need what they need to take away is, is the fact that they probably need to figure out that once they lose control of a game, how do they get that control back? Because if 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 Williamson's fitness is going to be an issue for the rest of the season, there is going to kind of have to come a point where somebody else from that back four has to step up kind of together and, and be able to take the game and control it. Um, and I also think that maybe they need to figure out, uh, not, not even figure out, but I think they just need more time to figure out the, the Miedema Blackstenius uh, combination. Cause I think Caitlin Ford on the left from a tactical perspective was really good. I think it worked um, in terms of, in terms of what she was asked to do and, and blocking lanes off the ball. But I think that cohesion, I could tell that they wanted to play some sort of off the ball you know, we want to try and surprise Chelsea with some, with some of our own, you know, blocking passing lanes and interceptions and, and 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 mid blocks. But I think just figuring that out, figuring that plan B out off the ball, um, you know, that has more cohesion, I think would be my takeaway for Arsenal for this game. Jonas, Emma, if you're listening to this podcast, <clears throat> I think you know what to do now. Um, but let's quickly finish on the rest of the title race. So this draw means that Chelsea are now two points behind Arsenal, but with the game in hand, sadly. Um, but Arsenal have a goal difference of 26, while Chelsea have a goal difference of 24. Jesse, who do you think will be happier, the two teams, about the draw? Uh, I think, you know, both teams can argue that a draw is better for them. I think Chelsea will feel like, okay, well, you know, it's in our hands if we win everything, we'll win the title. But I think Arsenal will look at Chelsea's fixtures and think we've got a better chance of picking up more points there. And, you know, they probably won't really believe that Chelsea will go all the way to the season winning everything. I would be quite surprised um, given their kind of like patchier form this season. Um, I think really it will be Arsenal who's happier just because I feel like they had more to lose by losing than than Chelsea did potentially. Um, just because I think whilst Chelsea will want to win the title and they won't want to see Arsenal win the title, I think it will mean more to Arsenal as a club and the fact that they've led the league for so long. I think if they'd lost to be in that position and to be basically so far back, um, given that that Chelsea would would have that advantage plus a game in hand. Um, would have been a lot a lot worse for them than than the other way around. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, you know, you have four points from six against Chelsea versus and Man City. Um, I think that's a really good advancement compared to Arsenal and over the last couple of seasons. Arsenal haven't 
not lost to Chelsea in the league since like the spring season series where they only had to play Chelsea once anyway and they drew so for the past like four seasons they've lost to Chelsea in the league at least once so you've got to like take that as like a massive positive even when they won the league they still lost to Chelsea in the league you know yeah so I think that's yeah I agree that I think there was a lot more to lose for Arsenal than Chelsea I think Chelsea could be good with the draw knowing that they obviously I agree that they're going to drop points eventually but I think mentally it might be easier for them to know that they have full control of it and like no one else is responsible for it other than themselves um but Abdullah how do you think the rest of the title race is going to play out and where do you think those crunch moments will be you know what I definitely think this is going down to the last day I think after this weekend of results uh, especially with uh you know for example Leicester beating West Ham and and, and results like this I think it just means that we're not going to know who is going to be who and I think the two the two games against Tottenham for both Chelsea and Arsenal I think will be massive and then obviously for Chelsea playing Man United on the last day of the season it really could just come down to winning that game so I think those three will probably be my highlights in terms of where it's going to go and and uh, who wins it it's going to come down to the last day yeah I definitely agree so last day of the season is Chelsea versus Man United and West Ham versus Arsenal um, in that title race so that's definitely going to be a juicy last day to say the least um should be fun I think it's the day before my dissertation is due so I'm gonna make sure to get that done before that (laughs) um but yeah but that's it for us now um I have to zoom out to the airport and these two have to get on with their lives (laughs) um but we hope you guys enjoyed this episode apologies again for not being able to to go through the WSL weekend as thoroughly as we usually do. Um, but hope this provided some analysis on, on what was a, a really good match, whether you're a fan of Chelsea or Arsenal. Um, it was a really interesting match to watch as we predicted. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening and see you soon. Enjoy the international break um, as much. Obviously, Arnold Cup. Alexia Poteas is going to be in England and I will not be. And that's really sad. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> See you soon. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye.